I love Yana Talon Hicks so much. She is a friend. She's a past podcast guest. We, we, we did an episode on how to be an ethical hookup back in the day. She is also a ethical slut like myself, a sex writer, a therapist, and the author of Hot and Unbothered, how to think about, talk about, and have the sex you really want. Uh, I love Yana. I think you're going to love this conversation. We talk about where people get their sex education in the United States, porn and its role in sex education, uh, why you should try things more than once, why blowjobs are hard to give. (laughs) They don't call it a job for nothing. What does consent look and sound like? How to find new sex activities to try with yourself and your partner. Uh, Why we experience shame when our partners give us feedback. The problem with Netflix and chill and how to be more upfront about wanting sex. The best time in the day to have sex. And then we also take listener questions all about sex, Q&A. Will vibrators desensitize my clitoris? How to be more comfortable with my body? How to squirt? and how to deal with premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction in my partner, and so much more. You can find Yana on Instagram at the underscore V-spot. Uh, I think like vagina or vulva spot. Or yanatalonhicks.com. Enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed and we enjoyed recording it for you. Have a great day. Hey there, how's it going? Great, how are you? Good, can you introduce yourself please? Sure, uh, my name is Yana Talon Hicks. I am a sex writer and a sex therapist and I have a book coming out called Hot and Unbothered, How to Think About, Talk About, and Have the Sex You Really Want. I love that and we are also, I would consider us friends. We are friends. We are. We are friends, yeah, yeah, we're friends. I have great news for you, Sean. Okay, go ahead. I just found out very recently that I am allergic to cherries. Mm. So to to bring everybody up to speed, the first <laughs> time we recorded a podcast, which is when I used to actually travel to people and have the podcast conversations live, I went to your house in Turner Falls. Turner's Falls. I always do that. Also known as Great Falls. Great Falls, Western Mass, which is fantastic. I love that part of the country. And we met for the first time in your apartment with your little dog, Brewster, and you insisted on eating cherries during the recording, which makes all sorts of weird mouth sounds. (laughs) And you basically were like, deal with it. I'm hungry. Yeah. And that's it. And you could listen to those mouth sounds. Probably. but no, because you are allergic to cherries. But now I'm allergic to cherries, and so now you can't. You'll have to I've go not, into Sean's archives to listen to my weird mouth sounds. I've never heard of anyone being allergic to cherries. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a pollen-related allergy that you can develop later in life. Hmm. It's really sad for me. Yeah, I'm sad for you, too, because cherries are delicious. They're so good. Can you have Cherry Garcia ice cream? I am not a fan so I don't care <laughs> to know if I can or not. But I love fresh cherries and it's cherry season. But Sometimes, lucky for you, I have no cherries to eat right now. Well, I think 
let's try to transition this to sex. Okay. Uh, sometimes you really want something and j- just because you want it doesn't mean you have to have it. True. I can cope with disappointment. Right. So like, let's say you're in a relationship, you're in a committed relationship and you want another partner mm-hmm. or you want to have sex with a stranger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because you want to doesn't mean you have to. Yes. And also just because you want to doesn't mean you can. <laughs> I mean, you can. There, you, you just have to accept the repercussions sure. of, of doing so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really smooth transition. I, <laughs> I, I like to say that you can do anything at least once. Are we still talking about cherries or are we talking about stranger sex? Anything, really. Okay. Anything. You could do anything once. I mean, with consent, yes. I, my personal policy is to try anything twice. Oh, I like that is also my policy. Because I feel like, let's all right, if we're talking about sex things, I try a sex thing. First time is really like a dry run. Right. Hopefully it's not dry. Then. Yeah, hopefully it's not like too dry. But like, <laughs> first time's a dry run. You're figuring it out. You're like, I'm trying this thing. Your focus is on trying the thing. Second time around, you can like make some adjustments. You're like less anxious about just like the straight up trying of the thing. And then it might go a little differently. If after the second time, you're still like, mm, it's not for me. Like maybe you're done. I yeah. blew five dudes before I realized that it might not be for me. Sixth time the could s- be a charm. The sixth time could be a charm. I'm not <laughs> close to it. You know, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I g- gave it the old college try. But yeah, I'm, I'm open to trying things more than once. Yeah. Just to see how does that experience change. Also, I feel like with blowjobs, there's a lot of variables to be had. Dude, blowjobs are hard to give. Oh, man. I can't. I I get it now. Yeah, you're like the jaw, the neck. <laughs> it's not called a job for nothing. <laughs> what do you? No, seriously. <laughs> what do you do with the hands, the balls? Like, whew. And all kinds of stuff. But I, but I, for a while there, I thought I was gay at some point, and I just decided to give it a good old college try. Yeah, and I don't think so. Mm. Well, you tried. I did. Yeah. We support um, you. Do you... We're just going to jump right into a bunch of questions. Okay. You wrote a book. You wrote a book. My my experience with sex books started with The Guide to Getting It On. I think you're familiar mm, with it. I am. And I think I even used some of the illustrations as masturbatory material. Oh, wow. When I was... You know, I think I got it when I was like... My mom got it for me when I was 16. Uh-huh. Probably. And I think I remember enjoying some of the book. I don't actually remember much of it. I wonder if anyone will masturbate to the illustrations in my book. I tried. Did it work? It, not yet. Oh, don't tell but Rebecca I'll, that, my illustrator. I'll, I'll try it again. I'm offended on her behalf. <laughs> They're beautiful illustrations. So they you made beautiful. a you made a beautiful book. What I would consider the new and updated, consent driven uh, guide to getting it on. Yeah, I mean, not to like, I don't know the authors of The Guide to Getting It On, and I don't want to anger them or their loyal fans. I wasn't personally impressed with their consent take. That's all I'll say. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely thick like The Guide to Getting It On. Totally. Yeah, this is a nice, thick book. Yeah. Double C. Yeah, she looks good. 
She looks real good. She does look really good. Um, so uh, where do people get their sex ed? And where did you get yours? I mean, people meaning like the people of the world. The people of the world, yeah. The people of the world. I mean, people are getting... I can speak more to the U.S. because that's where I was born and raised. Um, but people are getting like some sex ed at school. Not really. I couldn't tell you the exact statistics off the top of my head. I post about them a lot on Instagram. But I think it's something like 39% of the U.S. states require abstinence-only education or something like that. I know the percentages around... LGBTQ focused sex ed are like very, very low. Most school-based sex ed is about like pregnancy prevention and STI prevention. And some, some schools are focusing on consent and communication a little more, which is cool. But most of the time it's like, we're kind of on our own. Yeah. I remember my sex ed being like one or two classes Mm -hmm. freshman year taught by maybe the geology professor for Mm -hmm. some reason, you know, like there was no public health person. Sometimes it's the PE teacher for some weird reason. Like, why is it always an uncomfortable dude giving the education? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember having a sex ed class in school I don't remember which teacher taught it, but I know it was just like some rando. I don't remember anything that was covered in it at all. Um, I got a lot of very quality sex ed from a summer camp I went to for teenagers for 16 and 19 year old teens. And at the beginning of the camp session, a staff member who was usually like in their mid twenties or so would give sex talk. And it was like a two or three hour talk with breaks. Um, but it was so comprehensive. Like they talked about anal sex safety. They talked about pleasure. They talked about masturbation. They talked about everything. And the only reason they really got away with that is because it's a private institution. It's not a publicly funded institution. Um, and now I, I actually, in, not in the last few years because of COVID, but before that, I was going back to that summer camp and I was giving the sex talk at the start of the session, which was really fun. You were the cool 20-year-old. I was the cool 20-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but that's... I just remember being like, holy shit, like an adult is talking to me openly about sex in a way that I'm actually, actually like interested in. Like it wasn't right. like my... My parents, like they tried, you know, they did try. But it was very sort of classic, like we're stuck in a moving car and I'm going to talk to you about STDs. <laughs> right. You're like a trapped, captive yes. audience. <laughs> So I think like, and now, you know, teenagers are like super dialed in, you know, they have Google in their pockets, but I think they don't have the, like the porn literacy or the sex ed literacy to find quality information. So like the first exposure to porn in the U.S. on average is 11 years old. And if you think about an 11 year old's stumbling across porn it's not like they're researching like the best ethically sourced feminist consent focused porn on the market they're like googling like what is sex and coming up with like who knows you know or like you hear like these rumors on the playground about like whatever like a snowballing is and you're looking up like what is snowballing it's like what are you gonna find (laughs) you know and they can't They don't have the media literacy it takes to digest what it is they're taking in, think about it critically, like 
when someone like you or I watch porn, which I know you would never Gross. consider it, but let's just imagine that you might, you kind of have more of an idea of like what to look for, what you're interested in, why, how to filter it out from your real life and like have this fantasy experience without translating it into like how you treat people in reality or maybe how you treat people. I don't know, but there's like a consent filtering element that an 11 year old just doesn't have. Yeah. The first time I saw porn, I was 11. My brother had a video and he played it. He was 13 yeah. And he was drinking a beer and they played oh. this video. And then my mom what caught us, kid. <laughs> of course. And she pulled me aside and she said, Hey, I just want you to know, like, this isn't actually what sex looks like most of the time with, nice. you know, people. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I, I didn't know what she was talking about, but, you know, I'd sort of imprinted a little bit. Of this isn't reality. Um, and that, I mean, it can be right. But I think that, uh, you know, answers where a lot of people do get their sex education is from porn. And you have a little passage in the book about, you know, what is missing in porn? What what, do, what aren't we seeing in porn mm-hmm. that happens frequently in, in partnered sex? Yeah. And this is like from my, like the workshops that I teach or the intro to the book is largely pulled from my TED talk that I gave a few years ago. Um, but basically at the start of all my workshops, And at the start of that talk, I talk about, like you're saying, like we get a lot of our sex ed from porn or other erotic materials that isn't necessarily filtered through a media literacy lens. And we don't get to see any of the like real life stuff that happens in porn or in real sex, which is like talking about it first, like negotiating what we want to do, making mistakes, feeling embarrassed, feeling shame, like being a human body with like... (laughs) you know, weird stuff that happens. Sounds and yeah, air. Like, yeah. Air goes places, air comes out of places. <laughs> it it's makes a, a funny noise. It's an airy situation, you know? If you want to get to that orgasm, you got to ignore the sound sometimes. Definitely. <laughs> Keep it moving. But you don't get any of that, like, real stuff. You don't get consent-focused stuff most of the time. There's a lot of great porn out there also, but... You know, and the kind of more generic stuff that's easier to find. We don't get a, like, diversity of bodies. We don't get a diversity of pairings of people. Like, I don't know. Like, the people that are, like, women that are having orgasm in a lot of mainstream porns are just, like, magically having an orgasm in five seconds. Just, like, not really how it goes for a lot of people. No. That's all my partners have been like that. Five seconds? Just really, yeah. Super orgasmic (laughs) penetration only. Five That's seconds great. of penetration. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Kind of magic magic touch, I guess. Or really good liars. <laughs> no one would ever. Mm. So uh, that's a joke, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> In case you didn't know. Um, yeah. Real sex is a lot more interesting, uh, a little bit more awkward, mm-hmm. can be more awkward um, than what you see on in pornography. Yeah. I mean, but also if you think about it, like porn is entertainment. We don't want to watch a porn where you and I are talking for 30 minutes about all of our hopes and fears about the sex we're about to have. And then... I would be into that. that you would? Really hot. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I want to, I want to know about, you know, I think 
I'd love to know what people's fears are when it comes to sex. I mean, I do think that would be a great piece of media. But when we're right. thinking about like, what are we using porn for? Not education. Not generally. I mean, there are educational porns out there, but it's like, if I'm looking for porn, I'm looking for something in particular. Uh, switching subjects. Okay. Yeah, this is, I'm really good at transitions. <laughs> this is just like a real life sexual interaction. <laughs> Pretty much, right? We're awkward. We don't know what's happening. We're oh, wait. afraid. <laughs> yeah. What, what are we even doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, hopes and dreams. You talked about hopes and dreams. I used to do or have do or do sometimes this practice called uh, desires, fears, and boundaries. And I mean, you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Is that is that what, have we not done? We haven't done this. Like, is this what we do? <laughs> we, we haven't done that. We have you, you and I have not done this practice no. together. Desires, uh, desires, fears, and boundaries. Yeah. So you talk about what you want, what you're mm-hmm. scared of, and what you don't want. In this right? podcast, or like in my life. No, no uh, during sex before. Oh, sex. Oh, 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 oh. So that you can establish the the rules, right? The playing field of like yeah. what what is in this playing field, and what can we what can we do? What what do I not want, and what am I scared of? Right? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes when you name the fear, oh, I'm scared that um, I just haven't really been exercising as much as I normally do, and I'm feeling you know I got that COVID nineteen bod, and I'm a little nervous. And sometimes just sharing that can have a really beautiful impact on the connection that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I also, in the book, there is a very extensive yes, no, maybe list in the middle of the book. It is a checklist of yes, no, maybes. Some other questions that are good to talk to your partners about in terms of what I, you're hoping for. I love a yes, no, maybe list. You you have jumped now to another question that's oh, on my I'm list. Oh, so sorry. No, it's it's good. This is good. Um, on like how do I even figure out what I want, right? Mm-hmm. How can I spice things up? What if I'm just used to having like pretty vanilla, you know, quote unquote vanilla sex? How can I find new activities? Mm-hmm. And some people don't know that there's a yes, no, maybe list or that, yeah. that you can just like find a list of things to do. Well, I mean... The thing is, is like, it's really hard to not to just like, if you don't know what's available or what's possible, it's hard to just like, come to it, like out of nothing. It's kind of like a dinner menu. I feel like I'm better equipped to decide what I want if I have some options. So I think that like, (laughs) what are you laughing? No, it's like you go to a restaurant, they're like, what would you like? And you're like, I don't know. Do you have quinoa? (laughs) You're like, I don't know, like a grilled cheese or. (laughs) They're like, we don't do grilled cheese here. Rather than giving you a menu, you're like, oh, whoa, like, look at all these things I didn't even know were possible that I can totally ask for. Yeah. That's why I was laughing. I just like the the idea of going to a (laughs) restaurant and then them asking you what you want, but you having no idea what's on the menu. I thought you were laughing at my wild gestures. No, I would never. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, I think it's easier to have a list of options. So I think a yes, no, maybe list is a great option. There's a lot of good yes, no, maybe lists out there in the world. I had always wanted to make my own version um, of things, especially that come up with clients that I wanted to include in there. So that's in there. I think also it's helpful to like read erotica or like watch porn that is appealing to you or 
talk to your partner about things that they've done in the past or talk to your friends about sex, like generate new ideas, get inspired. You know, you're not just going to like pull some like sexual inspiration out of nothing. Out of your ass. (laughs) I mean, you could. (laughs) (laughs) If you do this, if you do the yes, no, maybe lift, you, you might be eventually pulling stuff out of your ass. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to put stuff in your ass, you should take it out at some point. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, there's really no... There's nothing that you want to stay in there. Don't leave it in there forever. Don't leave it in there forever. And if you're <laughs> going to use a butt plug or anything, make sure it has a flared base. Everybody. Yes. Your rectum, your inner sphincter, is designed to pull things into your body. And it's stronger than you think it is. Wait, why is it designed to do that? To pull so things in? Don't I don't, maybe. I'm not actually really sure what the function of that is besides the fact that I'm like, just trust me. If you Google things we lost in our rectums this year, you can see a lot of x-rays about various objects people have put in their butts, which many of them I'm like fully impressed by. Like I'm The like, light bulb. The yes. light bulb. I'm like nervous, but impressed. And also just like, Shit, man, can you imagine being like, oh, no, I can't. I, I don't even know I've how you get... Contact. How do you get to the hospital with a intact light bulb in your ass? That's... I mean, it's pretty soft in there, I guess. I get... You're, no, you're right. You're right. It's not going to like... Sh- I mean, if it didn't shatter, If it didn't shatter going through the sphincters, it's probably not going to shatter from sitting in the car. But man, I don't know. Like you hit a pothole. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, man. This really scares me. I can feel my butt reacting to this. <laughs> so there's a yes, no, maybe list. Speaking of things to put in your ass. Yes. Uh, with all sorts of, you know, the, the thing about the yes, no, maybe list, it's like uh, the one I, the one I've done that you can put like a happy face or a sad face or like a neutral face uh-huh. based on if you'd like to give it or receive it or do it on your own. So there, you know, there are different levels. Like you could want to explore butt play on your own, but not with a partner. Right. You can want to give butt play to a partner, but not have it done to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there are more options than just like anal. You right. know, like, and, and then you have to, if you say yes to anal, you have to say yes to the whole experience. <laughs> so the, all the light bulbs are going in. You said oh, no. yes. Not light bulbs. <laughs> Flip it around. But, I mean, I think like the yes, no, maybe list is also meant as like a conversation generator. So it's sort of like, I've done yes, no, maybe list with platonic friends before and learned new things about myself. They're also good to do for yourself, just by yourself. If you want to have a little check-in. And you don't have to do like the whole thing in like one sitting. It can just be like something to think about. I did auto straddles. Yes, no, maybe list. Yeah, I like X. Yeah, I think I got it from you actually. Oh, I um, You bet. I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. <laughs> That's how good you are. That's right. <laughs> uh, with, a, with a partner and it was a date. We had a date. We went to a bar. I printed up two copies of it. And it was sort of a surprise. I go, hey, do you want to do something a little edgy in a private place? And she was like, I don't know. That sounds illegal. And I go, no, it's not illegal. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> and, yeah, it might be. Who knows? Um, the way this country is going. Mm. Anyways. And it was really fun. It was really fun. It was super sexy. And I really like the... There's a part of that, the auto straddles, and I'll link to it in the show notes, uh, which is 
you know, please never refer to my genitals as. Mm -hmm. And I like to, I like to be referred to as, or my genitals as. Mm -hmm. And that's really nice. Cause then you know that like, I don't ever want you to call it my wee wee. Right. But I I do want you. (laughs) I know. I don't understand it, but I will respect it. (laughs) (laughs) Wee wee doesn't turn me on, but Uh you can, you know, you could say dick or cock. Those are two things that are, you know, even dick, I don't know. feels kind of weird. Hmm. Um, so I like that, right? Because then you start to get to know what turns your partner on and what totally. turns them off, right? Well, and also I feel like if I know that like calling your dick a wee-wee is really what does it for you, I can like blaze on into our sexual interaction in a different way and be like, I've got some of the keys to this. You know, like I know when I'm saying wee-wee, Sean is like, it's hitting something good. But did I, I misunderstand but I, your boundary? <laughs> you did. I'm turned off now. Oh, <laughs> well. <clears throat> I mean, that, that's the that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to maximize the turn-ons and minimize the turn-offs. Yeah, and also just getting equipped to show up to your sexual interaction. I think that like I hear from a lot of clients that are cis men that are not super confident or super experienced in sex. And they feel really insecure about that because there is such a cultural pressure for them to know everything without having had any conversation about it. How are you supposed to freaking do that? You were supposed to download the guidebook. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, and if we're thinking about porn as a sex educator, no one's talking. That's not a good example of how to show up to a sexual interaction for the very first time. It's a little, yeah. I mean, it's like, blow me, then I'm going to penetrate you and then come on your face. That's yeah. like... And you're going to have an orgasm somewhere in there, even though your clitoris is like, I don't even know where. MIA. <laughs> MIA. And I well, kind of the- talk to those clients about being like, well, having a beginner's mind for every partner is a strength. That's a great place to start from. Don't assume that you like, even if you have like a lover who's like, you're the best lover I've ever had. And they like love all the tricks that you came up with or whatever. (laughs) If you just like swirly, swirly do the swirly do (laughs) the pretzel, the alphabet. Yeah. 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 All that stuff. Let's say one partner loves it. The swirly do alphabet pretzel. And you bring that over to your next partner and you're like, I'm going to blow your world apart with this thing. Just fucking wait for it and they're like totally not into that it's like what is the point it's a custom experience and a lot of the time we're not equipped to customize it yeah and i think maybe yeah there is some pressure for cis men to already know what what to do without having much experience mm-hmm. in how to do it or also i think there's this issue that people aren't really talking about sex either before during or after it which I think these are all beautiful times to talk about sex. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that the more you don't talk about it, the easier it is to continue not talking about it. Sort of like not going to the gym. It's really easy to continue not going to the gym. It does take some sort of overcoming inertia Mm -hmm. to have these conversations about your sex life. Yeah, I want to just bring something up that's also in the book surprisingly. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a thick book. There's a lot in the book. Everything's in the book. Can I tell you also why it's so thick? Did I already tell you? Wait, but first, let's not... 
hey, everybody, it's not that thick. It's not too thick. <laughs> right? Don't don't let it scare you away that this It's not book, about the size. It's not about the size, though it is big. Yeah, tell me why is it so thick? It's so thick because, well, first of all, there's a lot of worksheets in here because I wanted to make it applicable to people's actual lives. Um, also, the illustrations. But really, it's because I wrote this book in the thick of COVID <laughs> on Google Docs. And I was like, cool, a 237-page book. That's perfect. Sent it to my editor. My editor was like, hey, Yana, like, you're a smart lady. You have a master's degree. You wrote this whole book about sex. However, you didn't think about the fact that book pages are quite small. And so this book is actually not 237 pages. It's like 400 pages. If 437 as... Who knows, though? I mean, is, you're in your county. This is the galley, but also those are all the notes, the resource section. I have a really long acknowledgement section because, like, I was just too sentimental. Your name is in there. Did you see it? I, I did. Yeah, that's actually the first thing. That was the first page I read. Oh. <laughs> Am I in this book? <laughs> you're like, I don't care. Am I in it? <laughs> so, but all that to say is that it is a complete book, but don't let it's the size scare you. Yeah, away. don't be scared. Honestly, you can jump around. I encourage you to jump around. And I tried to make it very easy to read. There's a lot of personal stories in there. Hopefully there's some like LOLs. There's client case examples. It's not all just like, you shouldn't put light bulbs up your butt. <laughs> For 400 pages. It's not a shamey book. And the, the illustrations are really nice. I'm sorry that it wasn't... I didn't actually try to masturbate to them. So well, I, I lied. <laughs> Thank you for telling us. If anyone does, I'm sure... <laughs> oh, it'll happen. They hear all I that. do. Yeah, call, call me. Call Leave me a voicemail. Uh, so how do we start talking? Because, you know... how. Your, the, the subtitle is how to think about, talk about, and have the sex you really want. How do you start talking about sex if you've never done it in your relationship? That's always something that uh, yeah. people struggle with. Well, I want to answer this question, but I also cut myself off like I always do. <laughs> so I want to backpedal just a little bit. Yeah. But it kind of answers your question. So you were saying people should talk about sex before, during, and after sex. Yeah. I was just going to say that in the book, I talk about the after sex talk is called a sexual feedback conversation. Ooh, sexy. So that would be like, we had a little moment where I was like making that joke about you want to have me call your dick a wee wee. And then I got to check it and be like, wait, did I misunderstand that? And then you got to be like, mm. yeah, no, I told you I don't like that. And so I get to be like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I misunderstood or like, I'm sorry. Maybe there's a repair situation. There's also a whole chapter about repairing mistakes. But then we get to talk about like what went well, what didn't go well, what should we do next time? And it like builds on your sex life as a project that you're like learning and growing and changing together. So that like builds, that like closes the loop a little bit. If you want to get started and you've never done it before, I always tell my clients to throw me under the bus. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's so good. Use me. Like I'm not... I don't have any personal stake in your relationship in the same way that you do. You can just say, oh, hey, my therapist was saying that it might be a good idea for us to do a yes, no, maybe list. I printed one out. Do you want to go get a coffee and do one? Like, 
any like icebreaker, like, oh, I read this book by this sex therapist I heard about on the love drive. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like there's little ways to break the ice. I think for some people talking about sex gets extremely loaded because we have so much shame wrapped into the way we learn about sex, which is like extremely unhelpful. And so that means that when we get feedback from our partners about what they want to see go differently or what they don't want to have happen, we feel personal shame around our failings as a sexual partner. And when we're coming from like a shame place, we can't really like show up to the occasion of changing and having a conversation about sex that feels productive. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is accepting yourself and your desires and kind of working through why do I feel this way? How did I learn that it's not okay to like what I like? Is that true that it's not okay? Or is that leftover messaging from something else? Yeah. The book also talks a lot about that. Also, give yourself a break. You know, if no one's ever told you they didn't like the swirly do, <laughs> then you don't know that the swirly do is not for everybody. And now you do, right? So I'm always grateful for any sort of feedback that I get. Okay. Hey, I'd like a little more of this and a little less of that. How am I supposed to know if no one's ever told me? So, yeah, I think it's, I guess it's not as easy as just saying, don't shame yourself. Yeah. Be really accepting because shame doesn't really work that way. But mm-hmm. also just accept the fact that we're all sort of fallible humans and we're all sort of doing the best we can and we could always be doing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And try not to beat yourself up. I like to say that sort of the you know life is hard enough as it is without you beating yourself up, right? Mm-hmm. Life is already using you as a punching bag. You don't need to add to it, right? Yeah. And like I have a lot of clients that come in talking about like new things that they want to try with their partners or with themselves and they have a lot of anxiety about it. We process their fears and we talk about all of this stuff about like what's hard about it. And that's all good and valid and important. And then at the end, I'm like, don't forget that like the threesome you just spent an hour having anxiety over, like it's supposed to be fun. Like, don't forget to have fun. (laughs) You You having this like new group sex experience is like the point is to like have a good time. Yeah. And if you're not like, that's a great indicator that like GTFO, like that's like not the place to be. Maybe you're not into it. Right. Like, is we're having a good time and that like your sex life can be like a fun joint project that you collaborate on, including what's going well, what isn't going well, what has to change. It's like an all encompassing thing. It's not just like this black and white, like either we're having good sex or we're not. There's a plenty of gradient that happens, especially in a long term sexual relationship. Yeah. Your your satisfaction with your sex life can and will ebb and flow. Mm hmm. And I think in terms of like a new sex life, I always tell people that like you have the power to set the tone. So like if I want to roll into a sexual interaction with somebody like and I'll share something personal about me is like I'm extremely blunt. (laughs) Like I don't do I don't have any game. I don't try to like be smooth. (laughs) I like will just be like, hey, are you interested in having sex with me? And then talk about it. And I'll be like, what are you into? What are you not into? This is what I'm into. This is what I'm not into. Like, what do you think? And sometimes people are kind of taken aback and they're like, whoa, I like, I'm, they feel nervous because they just haven't had that kind of open conversation before. It feels different and foreign, but it doesn't feel, it's usually like welcome. You know, they're like, oh, this is interesting. I've never just like 
you know, talked about it. <laughs> and right. then in the transition moment, it's like, do you need some water? Should we pee? Like, let's wash our hands. Let's brush our teeth. They're like, yeah, do you need a time? snack? Does the dog have to go out? Like, <laughs> meet you up there. <laughs> Hold on. Let me do a thing. I got to call my dad real quick. <laughs> but to me, like, that is my most genuine self right. going up. And like, I think that after that, there can be more like organic. Once you get to know somebody's sexual style and their general boundaries, there's a little less kind of robotic talking about it. Um, But you have the power to set the tone. So like if you want to show up and be like, this is how I show up to sex. Like, are you into matching me in this? Or is this like not your style? Like you're kind of testing your compatibility from the start. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also. I, I don't. I don't want to say I don't have game because I think I could probably turn it on. But um, I also prefer to kind of cut through a lot of the early phase ambiguity stuff. It and, makes me and nervous. Say, it's just awkward. Like uh, you know, I'll just say, "Look, I'd love to get naked with you." Is that something that you're interested in? And they'll, they'll be like, "Uh, yeah, actually." <laughs> Thank you. I thought we were going to Netflix and chill and you're going to do the weird thing where you put your hand on my thigh and it's sort of weird. There's a 30 minute transition to making out, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not into it. I just don't, I don't have the patience for it or. I went on a date that this was years ago, but the person came back to my house and it was like, we had gone out to dinner. We, this was like our second date. We had a lot of chemistry. We had already known each other from before. Like there was a lot of comfort there. So they came to my house and they were like, do you want to watch a movie? And it was like 11 o'clock. And I was like, do you want to watch a movie or do you want to have sex? (laughs) And they were like, oh no, I want to have sex. And I was like, okay, cool. That's what I thought. (laughs) I'm like, can we not put on the decoy movie? (laughs) I can't. Also, what do you, what are we, what are we picking here? Yeah. What are we watching? Well, these days we're picking the original Top Gun for sure. (laughs) But well, no, I don't know. Their actual exact recommendation was they wanted to watch the L word. <laughs> oh, the TV show. Yes. And I, I mean, was that's... like, we're not going to watch the L word. We're going to be the L word. <laughs> like, right. Why are we going to watch the L word on TV? Let's do what we want to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm the same way. But that's not to say that you can't be a little bit suaver. Although I do think that just being bold is actually pretty suave. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very courageous. Um. I tell people that the lean in for the first kiss is over. Yeah. You know, like just for, forget yeah. about it. Just put it away. You know what I do? This is my piece of game. This is, I don't even want to say this because anyone I've ever had a first kiss with is going to be like, I can't believe this is the thing you do with everybody. I'm, I'm taking notes. Okay. This is what I do. I say, if you want to kiss me now, you can. <laughs> and has anybody has anybody said no? Nah, I'm, I'm good. No, because it's usually during that time where that <laughs> tension has been building, you know. And I'm like, oh my god, someone has to do something. But I'm not gonna lean in for the kiss. And I think it's also just my like sexuality preference. It's like I want to be. I want someone to lean into me. So instead right. of saying, can I kiss you now? I'm inviting somebody to kiss me because that's the, that's the directional flow I like. Yeah, that, that's good. It, that's like saying, uh, if you asked me for a date, I wouldn't say no. Right. You I know, it's like it's less passive than that, but maybe. Wait, is it? Maybe. I, it's the same is amount it the same? of pa- okay. passivity. 
Yeah. I think it's cute. That's good. That's cute. That's that's that would work for me. Great. That would work for me. Uh, I think. Yeah. What do I say? I, I say, yeah, I'd love to kiss you. Is that something that you'd be into, or mm-hmm. you are you up for it? Or if you're up for it, I'd love to kiss you. I, I sort of do the. I'd love to kiss you rather than like, can I kiss you? I feel like the can I kiss you thing is a little like... Uh-huh, a little junior. little junior, yeah. Little I, the junior. thing I like about I would love to kiss you, I feel like it expresses the desire. Yeah. You know, which I think people want to feel desired. It's an expression of desire that's often seen as a question. Right. So it works for everything. Yeah, I also feel like the spontaneous lean-in has the potential to be very physically awkward. You know, you could like bump teeth. You could like knock your face together. (laughs) I I mean, I've talked to like seduction pros Uh and they're like, never ask. Always just look into their eyes and slowly, imperceptibly lean forward. And if there's even a a smidge of a backwards, then pull back. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. I I can't trust their nonverbal. I don't even trust my (laughs) nonverbal. Well, and also like when I teach consent classes, especially to teenagers, we talk about, we talk about Netflix and chill as like, it's too vague to be considered consensual. Yeah. Um, we talk about this idea of like, it's okay to feel like non-verbally to feel anxious. Like sometimes going on a date is anxiety provoking and nerve wracking, but you do want to be there. Like you want to be on the date you do want to have the first kiss but you're also nervous so like your nonverbals might be misfiring on your verbals oh yeah yeah i mean you can't trust people's nonverbals no it's Not, great I mean, backup information yeah pair it with some verbals and we're all good mm-hmm. okay uh question for you yeah and then we're going to jump into some q a real quick because okay. i think you're so good at this um, so how common is libido discrepancy, right? One partner who wants, I know, I know, I know. I'm just giving you a layup here. Yeah. Uh, one, one partner who wants to have more sex or less sex than the other partner. And, and then how do you solve it? It's so common. I mean, think about just like the chances of having the same amount of desire for sex for the same sexual activity at the same time. (laughs) Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. It is more likely during that like first early pop of a relationship in the limerence phase because you're just like riding that oxytocin high. You're willing to like lose sleep or like roll in late to work or like blow off your friends or like let your house get dirty because like you need to get that body contact with your new person. Right. But that is unrealistic. That's on a sustainable phase. That phase always ends. Mm. Always. That means the relationship is over. (laughs) That phase (laughs) always ends. That does not mean the relationship is over. That means you use a lot of your skills that you might learn in this book on how to transition through that phase into a new phase where you're learning how to navigate your differences while building intimacy and being connected. So a lot of the time this requires people to get back in touch with their own sexual individuality and like what they want and what they still haven't learned about themselves and be able to authentically share that with their partner. And on the other hand, be able to hear that information from their partner in a way that doesn't feel like 
you're being shut down or told you're doing it wrong or that an incompat- incompatibility means your relationship is over. How do you move through that phase? And the, the last third of the book is pretty much all about that because it is so common. Love it. I love it too. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the book. You love oh, great. The last third. If you're not going to read any of the rest of it, the last third is my favorite. I mean, I think the first two thirds really cue you up for the last, but my favorite part is the last. Feel free to jump around. Jump around. <laughs> jump up, jump up, and, and get down. Uh, no, well, that's actually no. what, that's what we're trying. To, <laughs> that's what we're trying to do here. We are trying to jump up to get down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is common. Is Limbrin sort of like the infatuation phase? Yes. Early, early stage where you kind of put them on a pedestal. Everything feels great. It's a little bit like a drug. Mm-hmm. And you it's feel very like- common. It's really common for couples to shave down what they think is different between the two of them during that phase because they want to have more compatibility. It's called the symbiosis phase. Mm, we have so much in common. We have so much in common. So like if we start dating and Sean's like, you know what I love to do? Rock climb. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Sean. I'm going to go rock climbing for sure. I'm like, you know what? I, I love rock climbing with you. You're the best. And then 10 years into our relationship, we're fucking rock climbing every weekend. And I'm like, I never even liked rock climbing. <laughs> I liked you. I think it's great that you like rock climbing. But like, I'm not trying to do this. But what's well, happened is it's become this foundational part of how we connect. And so yeah. me deciding that I'm not going to do that anymore seems like a big threat to our connection. And if you translate that to like something we've done sexually, then you add in all the sexual shame and vulnerability and like all that other shit. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that you have to renegotiate a little bit the terms mm-hmm. of how we connect, right? We're going to connect in a different way. So for me, for example, if we were together, I'd be like, oh, I also love being allergic to cherries. <laughs> and then 10 years later, I'm like bemoaning the fact that I haven't had a cherry and that it's ruining our our relationship. Yeah. And I'll start eating cherries. And, and it'll I be okay. Cry. <laughs> you will cry and break up with me and find someone who's allergic to cherries. Um, okay, so so uh, libido discrepancy does not mean that your relationship is over. True. It's incredibly common. You are going to have to talk about it. You are going to have to receive your partner talking about it in sort of a, you know, gently and try not to take it personally because it's, it, is it personal? It's not. Libido is individual. I mean, it's hard to say. Like if you think about libido, a lot of the time I have a couple of clients that come in and they're like, you know, I think we just need like maybe like four or five sessions, just like hammer out this libido issue real quick. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, first of all, I know that it's going to take longer than this. Second of all, like whatever. So usually what's going on is there's like your sex life is not just like an island off the coast of your real life. Your sex life is part of your real life. So a lot of the time with libido stuff, it could be these like old resentments that need to get solved or like something that's been going on like at your job or like with parenting or whatever. Maybe you're having an individual identity crisis. Like there's all kinds of stuff that impact your libido and how you connect to your partner. A lot of the time, it's more about emotional intimacy. Right. Well, for me, it's if I'm having a huge meal, it's not happening. 
yeah, libido and then, gone. And then it's a very, um, that's a very pragmatic approach. We can yeah, probably solve first. that in four sessions or under. Fuck first. <laughs> Dan Savage, get the plates. That is have what he sex. says. Yeah. Have a snack first. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like to check in and go like, what's your hunger level? You know, do we have time to have sex before dinner? Uh-huh. My if, theory is that the perfect time to have sex is 4 p.m. I was just thinking, pick a number. It's probably going to be four. Yeah. Four is good. good. Four, four is a great time to get naked. Four is a great time to get horizontal. I feel like your energy is like at a good place. Like you're kind of past that like two o'clock, three o'clock slump. Yeah. You've like maybe had your afternoon snack and coffee situation. You've had a cookie. You've had a cookie, but it's not quite dinner. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. <clears throat> Four thirty, start cooking. <laughs> no, in your case, five seconds, five seconds past four, we're ready to cook. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a build, there's a five minutes of foreplay, and you know, five minutes of cool down. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, questions, Q and A, yeah. let's do it. Let me get, let me navigate to my Instagram. Let me ignore the limit for another fifteen minutes. Do it. I I wish I was better at you know compartmentalizing my Instagram use, but I'm mm-hmm. not. Okay, so there's a bunch of great questions here. Did um, you post a call for questions for me? I did, yeah. Oh, I missed it. I'm so sorry. I I don't know. It's okay. I we've got like we've, but we've got a handful of questions great. here. So um, we're just going to sort of rapid fire these, but then I know that you're verbose and I'm verbose. So. Okay. Do you want me to try to not be verbose? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. You know, I'll cut you off if if I need to. Great. Uh, how can I help my husband stay hard longer? Oh gosh. Um. I'm going to answer Help this. I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer this question in a way that this person might not like. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. You can do uh, it you get want. some dildos. I just think oh, that, okay. Yeah. So like you could go, okay. You could go the medication route. If it's a medical issue, you could go the emotional route. If there's something going on in that constant loop of like, boner failure and then like fear of boner failure and blah, blah, blah. There's a whole, um, portion of the book that's devoted to sex without boners that you might want to read. Amazing. But it kind of goes into this like idea of all the creative ways that you can have sex where boners don't have to be involved. That being said, I know boners can be precious to people. So precious. They're precious. They're very sensitive. So it could be an emotional situation. It could be a self-fulfilling prophecy situation. But if you can make a backup plan, like a plan B where you're like, if boners aren't showing up, then we've got like this litany of like fun other things we can do with other body parts or like sex toys or whatever. It takes the pressure off where it's just like the boner is the only way we're going to have sex. It's either we're doing this or we're, we have failed. There has to be more options. So you said plan B. Turns out this question brought to you by plan B. <laughs> And make sure you get some just in case you need some. Are you allowed to um, say that if they didn't sponsor you? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Maybe they will now. Plan B, hit me up. <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. The cock ring also, maybe. Oh, Maybe yeah. there's a mechan- mechanical thing. So non-medication, non-medicinal device that uh-huh. could help with blood flow. Um, we don't know if he's like, is he... Yeah. 
There are also harnesses that are designed to accommodate penises. There, it's like a little pouch for your penis to go in, and then you can strap on a dildo also. You know, I have one, and I think it has that. Yeah, you should try it. Well, I can't because I'd be because it'd be having like two dildos. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. I just don't <laughs> think it has a hole for two dildos. It only has a hole for one, and then has a pouch for the for the software. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, that's funny because I, I didn't see that part of your book. I hadn't gotten to that section yet, you know, because uh, I've been jumping around. But I have a question that says, "Can we, uh, you know, can we have great sex without great boners?" Yes. And of course, the answer is absolutely. Yes. But I think um, I think what's really important, and there's actually a whole chapter, there's like a little sidebar called Sex Without Boners, but it's in this whole chapter about this client example that I give about a couple that's dealing with this and the self-fulfilling cycle that comes with the idea that like, oh my God, I like can't get hard. I'm failing my partner. And then the partner feeling like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Do you not desire me? Like, are you not into me? Like, I'm buying the lingerie. I'm doing the stuff. I like doing the stuff you like. I'm calling it a wee-wee. Like, why is this not working? <laughs> and these people often won't talk about that. Yeah. Because we're not t- we're not shown good examples of how to bring that stuff up in a yeah. way that's helpful and, like, externalize the problem, which is, like, we have this issue. What do we want to do if like your hard on isn't always reliable? Cause that's also unrealistic. Like it's a body part. It's not always going to do what you want it to do in the time you want it to do it. And so like, if you have more creative backups around how to co- sexually connect in satisfying ways without it, you're going to be more likely to not pressure yourself to be like, I don't know, like always on the ready. Yeah. Unrealistic. Uh, long story short, buy the book. That's the answer. <laughs> That's always going to be the answer. We're at a press <laughs> right, tour just... now. Always the answer is buy the book. <laughs> buy the book. Uh, so that's how you can help your husband stay hard longer. Uh, you you don't actually have to. You can just have other things to do. You can talk about it. You've got... We have other tools. Um, okay, cool. Nailed it. You... Oh, you nailed it. I can't come. I can't. I can't come without a vibrator. Is this normal? Ah, yes. Okay. I have so much to say about this. You, I'm you layups. Layups. <laughs> I just love talking about this. It's like, okay, you know how to get yourself off. Fucking right. great. Like, why are we like? Is this a problem? <laughs> right. Like, is this a problem? Okay, but I also understand that people feel shame and fear around not getting off in the way that they quote unquote should. And if you think about the systemic way we have been taught about how sex is supposed to work in the very narrow box that is like given to us about like sex is penis goes in the vagina. We have 10 minutes of penetration and everybody has an orgasm. Like, yay. Like that does not accommodate the clitoris, which is like its own piece of anatomy, it's often not stimulated just by penetration. It's actually stimulated by usually 20 minutes or more of consistent stimulation in a way that isn't like a dick can't do, <laughs> you know? Can't do it. Mouth, cannot. mouth tried. can do it. Fingers can do it. Like for some people. Toesies. Your toesies, for some people, grinding up on someone's pelvis, like during penetration can work for some people. 
but that yeah. doesn't work for everybody. And vibrators are specifically designed to give that consistent stimulation for a long amount of time. And it's just like, excellent. Like, you know how to do it. So I think really the issue isn't like, is it okay for me to get off this way? The issue is like, how are you thinking about your pleasure and how to prioritize it and how you have it available? Well, I think, I think there's two things, two concerns that people might be having. Uh, one is that how, how does my partner feel about the fact that I need a vibrator in order to orgasm? Mm-hmm. That's one. Or and want two, a vibrator in or, order to orgasm? Or want uh-huh. You said need. Yeah, want or need. Want or need. Want or need. And then the, the <laughs> second one. <laughs> uh, but maybe they do need. It, it, maybe they do need. Maybe they can't without. In sure. which case, it is, it is a need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the cons- and then the, the other one is that uh, a fear of desensitizing their clitoris. Yes, I've heard this fear. I don't think it holds weight. I think that, yeah, I just don't think that's how it's going to... I think that's mostly based on this sort of like, not to throw around all the big words, but like this heteropatriarchal fear of somebody having pleasure that doesn't revolve around a dick. Oh, cool. So I we've like that. we've been told that if we use a vibrator too much, we're going to like somehow essentially break our bodies, break our sexual right. bodies. And that's really just not how it works. Like if I use like a mechanical toothbrush, like an electric toothbrush, and then I switch to a manual toothbrush, like my teeth are getting clean. Like my body can bounce back. My body can accommodate. Like if your vibrator like disappeared forever, you're like not, you're still going to be able to get off. It might not. You'll find a way. You'll find a way. It might not be like as easy or as pleasurable. So it's like, why give that up just because you've been told that it's not quote unquote correct. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's like literally the man's trying to keep you down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get that out of your brain. The short answer is yes, it is normal. <laughs> but also the man is probably trying to sell you vibrators too. I mean, okay. The man is now currently trying to sell us vibrators. Thanks to the feminist sexual revolution right? If we think about the history of Good Vibrations, the sex toy shop in San Francisco, they used to like only sell Hitachi magic wand vibrators, which are these big old diesel, strong vibrators. And with the price of gas these days. (laughs) I will just say Hitachi came out. I'm sorry, they're not branded as Hitachi anymore. They're just branded as magic wands. They came out with a mini rechargeable and it's awesome. Is it really? Okay, I digress. But the idea is like, we actually, a lot had to happen for vibrators to now be an acceptable thing that the man's trying to sell us to make, like the sex positivity consumerism thing is pretty new. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything to add about that. I don't actually know the, the percentage of like m- male and female owned sex toy companies. I mean, I don't either, but I'm just saying like, we're talking about like the man in terms of like capitalism. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's usually a man anyways. It's usually sure. a male dominated company. But okay. So here's the other thing about 
vibrator orgasms. If you are somebody who is like, I really want to have a more diverse way of having an orgasm, you could take a break from your vibrator and try other things. But just like throwing your vibrator away because you're worried that it's not like the dainty, like proper way to get off. I'm not into that idea. Yeah, if you're able to have an orgasm with a vibrator, amazing. Have it. Have more. There's than some one. people who struggle having orgasms. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, constantly in my head about the way I am during look and feel. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't understand the question. Constantly in my head about the way I look and feel during, during sex. sex. Okay. <laughs> we, we had to. We had to, we had to reword that. Okay, constantly uh, in my head about how I look and feel. Yeah, during sex. Like how how the other person is, like how my body feels to the other person or how I, I feel, do you think? I think, let's just go with, I'm in my head about the way I look when I'm having sex. Right. Um, okay, first of all, legit, we've all been like spoon-fed a variety of reasons to be insecure about our bodies. Um, especially our sexual bodies. So I think some of this is being like the ongoing practice of being kind to yourself for even having that anxiety in the first place, I think goes a long way. Um, I also think that it's important to remember that sex can be like a somatic experience and that it's okay to request to have lights off or eyes closed or blindfolds or something that helps you get in your own body as like a step towards more body acceptance in your sex life. Um, Because maybe having like full blown lights on sex where you're like spreading out all your body parts for everybody, that's a vulnerable scenario. And maybe it takes more trust building with that partner before you can do that. So I think there's a variety of ways. I also think it's helpful to talk to your partner just about feeling insecure about that or asking for like physical affirmations that feel good to you. But that's kind of like a Sean piece of advice. Yeah. Wow. That's, I was just going to say, that's what I would say. <laughs> Name it to tame it. Yeah. Right? On say, brand. Look, I'm, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable with my body and that's just kind of where I'm at. I don't really want it to stop me from having fun, but sometimes I get in my head a little bit and I just wanted you to know that. Yeah. And sometimes I think it can be helpful like to think about ways that your partner could help you like um, kind of snap out of that, like get more somatic. Like if you notice that you're cognitively sort of spitting out about something, you could have a code word or you could have like a physical like tap system or you could just be like, I'm doing it again. And then your partner could like pivot to like doing your favorite position that doesn't make you feel insecure or like kissing you deeply or like something that gets you back in your body zone and yeah. out of your like anxious, anxious head zone. zone. Get out of that head zone and into that head <laughs> zone. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's the deal with squirting? Is there a method to making it happen? There is. Oh, nice. The deal with it is... (laughs) The deal with it is this. Okay. I'm taking notes. So the G-spot, there's a little guide to the G-spot in the book. Shut up. And there is also a personal story involving squirting and yours truly in the book. Ooh. If anyone wants to read it, it's there. (laughs) Okay, perfect. So the deal is we're thinking about two knuckles deep. Two knuckles is not very deep. 
the G spot is more shallow than you think. You want to reach a little curve. You want to reach up towards the belly button, right? Internally and inside the vagina, up towards the belly button. And then like kind of like a bit of pressure and a pulling, pulling movement customized to what your partner likes, right? All the pressure location, talk, 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 talk. Um, some people can have squirting orgasms that way. Some people can't. Some people really like the way that feels. Some people don't. If you're yeah. thinking about positioning with no, without your hands, if you're using like penises, dildos, sex toys, you want to get your knees towards your chest. So on your back with Ooh. your knees up, on your back with your legs over your head, um, bent over something, turned a uh, peanut position, <laughs> just like a peanut. kind of like child's pose in yoga. Got it. But like yeah, yeah. You now everything's tucked in. I call it peanut. <laughs> Peanut's <laughs> cute. Get in your peanut. Um, you basically want to like curve your vaginal canal so that the penetrating object can hit that kind of shallow space. Ooh. Also, if you're on top, it can be easier for you to control the sh- speed depth situation. Um, some people really like to warm up with a lot of penetration and then go more shallow. And for a lot of people that are capable of squirting your partner or yourself, if you're touching yourself, you can actually feel the G spot kind of expand with fluid first. Like it's kind of like a rough patch of skin, like what's on the top of your mouth. Walnut in texture, walnut like. Yeah. And um, it's a lot more shallow than you think. You know, I think like that porn model, right? Of like harder, better, faster, stronger sex is counterintuitive to the G spot. There is also this great sex toy called the Enjoy Pure Wand, which is this like curved stainless steel penetration toy. It does not vibrate. It's a beautiful piece of art. It has these bulbs on the end. And the curve is designed to kind of rock back and forth against your G-spot. And people have reported that that is a very helpful G-spot stimulating toy. We're told. We're told. It works. Mm-hmm. I have a glass wand that has a similar curve with two different nice. sized bulbs. Does it work? It hasn't worked in that way. Keep on trying. Yeah. Use some lube. Adjust the pressure. Read my book. Yeah. We've been we've been able to make it work without the bulb. So Hey, it's not I think like the G spot kinda had its like fifteen minutes of fame. You know, where everyone's like, the G spot, like it's the best. But I think for a lot of people, like it's just another way to feel pleasure. And for other people, they're like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't think yeah. it's like this, like, holy grail of sex. No. And I've heard that, yeah, the orgasm can be less intense, more intense, different, not uh-huh. necessarily better or worse than like a clitoral orgasm. So uh, not the holy grail. Also use a like a blanket, a sex blanket, or yeah. throw some towels down if you're worried about the sheets. Uh-huh. Or the mattress. Yeah. Get that mattress protector. Yeah. Get two of them. Yeah. Okay. We we did it. We did it. Um, one we more. podcasted. <laughs> one more. <clears throat> all right. Well, how to help my... Uh, I feel like... All right. There's a, there's a bunch of ED stuff. How do I help my partner experience... Uh, how to help a partner who's experiencing premature ejaculation? This one is hard because I feel like premature ejaculation 
there are sex therapists that specialize in this because it is kind of a specialty issue that involves some like somatic stuff. There's like a, if you give it a little Google, there's like a pinching, squeezing technique that I'm not 100% familiar with that can really help people. I've heard that certain cock rings can help people kind of just like change. Some people, when they use cock rings, it does not heighten sensation. It. That's not my experience. That that's that going to lead to your first experience. Yeah. But for some people, it changes the sensation enough where they don't feel the need to premature ejaculate. It's almost as if, as if people have different experiences. Almost, <laughs> but not quite. <laughs> not the quite. pinching, the the pinching thing. What I know about uh, actually, like. Um, stopping orgasm or ejaculation actually through the uh, the book the multi-orgasmic male there's what they call the dollar the million dollar spot oh i don't know what that which is, is. Oh, wait. which is like like sort of in the taint perineum area yeah. and you can actually if you push in you can actually feel the vast deference and you you actually manually block the ejaculate from coming wow. out of your penis and i don't know that it's a great practice it's like I'm not a manual sure. vasectomy it's a manual temporary <laughs> vasectomy and not recommended for birth control. Let's just put no, that definitely there right not. Now. Oh my God. No, <laughs> absolutely not. We are not. This question also brought to you by plan B. <laughs> oh, <God>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but so, the multi-orgasmic male, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. There's a lot of breathing techniques in there. Uh, belly breathing. Also, Tantric uh, if you look Tantric techniques, if you look at, uh, you know, the, the, your level of arousal from zero to 10, you want to stay in order to like have longer penetration or penal stimulation, stay in the like six to seven zone. Mm. And if you go into eight, nine and 10 is ejaculation. So if you go into eight, nine, then you need to crank down a little bit. That might mean withdrawing. That might mean stopping stimulation of the penis. That might mean deep breathing, all sorts of other uh, techniques, somatic techniques. Somatic means of the body, by the way. Um, so yeah, there are some things that you can do, but you know, the penis haver has to be willing to do this work, yeah. right? It, it's not just going to... No, nothing really solves itself or gets better on its own, right? Like I don't know many things that just like improve on their own. Yeah, I don't think and this I is one of those like things. The person's question, right? If the person's question is, "How do I help?" I think like destigmatizing premature ejaculation. This is very. I feel like anything we say about ED can also be said about premature ejaculation, where it's like you have to be able to talk about it. You have to be able to like think creatively about what your sex life is going to look like if that does happen to take pressure off the person, right? Because a lot of this can be an anxiety cycle. Like if I'm like constantly coming too quickly and my partner's disappointed, I'm going to feel anxious about that happening again. And then it's going to happen again. And it's just going to be this self-fulfilling thing. Instead, if you can externalize that cycle between the two of you and collaborate about what are we going to do if this happens? Like what kind of things can we talk about to figure this out? That person could go to individual sex therapy. You could go to couple sex therapy to try to figure out how this issue originated if it has an emotional component. I always think that it's important for sex issues to be tackled on an emotional level, a medical level, and on a physical level. Mm. Because sometimes yeah. it is a medical thing. And if you were to come to somebody like me, who's like all cognitive and emotion focused, uh, 
your medical blood pressure issue that's affecting your erection is not going to get solved, <laughs> right? right? Like that's not the issue. Yeah. yeah. And it could be a technique thing as oh, well. Yeah. And it, there, there could not be an emotional connection. Um, do you do cognitive behavioral therapy? I do some of that. Yeah. I mostly work with the developmental model of couple therapy, which was invented by Ellen Bader and Peter Pearson. And I talk about their model of therapy in the book. Um, they kind of look at the way that we relate to each other and how we think about ourselves. And they also pull from attachment theory and kind of that flow of how all couples go through a symbiotic phase and a differentiation phase and basically becoming okay with being different, but still being connected. But I also, I do love CBT, which as we know, is a little joke for sex therapists. Cock and ball torture. That's right. <laughs> also, every time I hear CBT, I go. Also known as cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like y'all need to get your acronyms. You've got to communicate. <laughs> you can't be. This one's too good. Yeah, too good. Easy. Okay, so where can people find you and the book? So I am on Instagram at the underscore v spot v like vagina. The book is sold anywhere you buy books. And you can also get it on my website, yamatalonhicks.com. It is out August 16th. You're welcome to pre-order it at any time. We love a pre-order. Pre-order is good. We love pre-orders. We love a pre-order. We need pre-orders, actually. They're important is what I've learned. Yeah, I know. I don't know much about the book publishing industry, but I'm pretty sure that's a metric that is important. Yes. Also on my Instagram and pretty soon on my website, you will be able to find a list of my virtual speaking engagements and tours and my in-person tour for the book, which will be happening in my area, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire. I'm so grateful for you and your work and your book. Likewise. And your pixie haircut and all your cool tats <laughs> and your ability to talk about sex like it ain't no thing. It really ain't probably, no thing. It, it ain't no thing. It's a little it's a little thing. It can be a little thing. <laughs> you let's can be read honest. the book and then you're going to be like, oh, what was I so worried about? This is great. It ain't no thing. <laughs> At the end of the day, what we are trying to do is to have fun and to experience pleasure and to deepen connection sometimes. Yeah. That's it, right? That's it. We're trying to have fun with our bodies. I'm always trying to have fun with my body. It's like, what? Especially like after the freaking three year pandemic or whatever, it's like, oh my God, let's get it going. <laughs> do whatever you need life. to do to feel good. Yes. I used to have like some shame about eating ice cream. My therapist is like, just eat the fucking eat ice the cream. Eat the fucking like, ice cream for the love of God. Enjoy it. Eat it. Don't I mean, feel bad about it. As we all know, it's not that simple. I wrote 400 fucking pages about that, why it's not so simple. But yes, at the end of the day, it's like if you're not having fun, what's the fucking point? Sex is supposed to be joyful. Feel good. Last question. Yes. What does sex mean to you? <laughs> is this a standard question or is this just for me? It's it's usually what does love mean to you, but oh, this time I'm making it sex. That's cute. Okay, so what does sex mean to me like when I have sex or do you mean like in the grand scheme? I can interpret it however. Exactly. What does sex mean to me? Oh, fuck. 
Um, I mean, it's hard to separate this out because sex is like my whole life, career-wise. <laughs> Without sex, it's like, what would I even do? I mean, I guess like from like my teen years, I was just really fascinated with this thing that was simultaneously so taboo and not talked about and confusing and also so magnetic for so many people and so like fascinating. So I guess sex to me is fascinating. Ooh, love it. <laughs> I really Thank have so to much for, talk through that for myself. <laughs> yeah, you're you're one of those, you're like a verbal processor, I think. I know it's bad. Me too. Is it the Virgo thing? I don't know. I uh, Maybe. Anyways. It's hard to be a therapist when you're like this. I got to like listen. <laughs> I got to listen all day. And it's like. The client's like, what is she? What is going on? <laughs> no. I, I think she's getting to something good. I think she's getting to something good. I think I'm pretty good at my job. I do listen to my clients, but it does take. It's not my natural inclination. You got to, you know, you, we, I do the same thing with coaching. It takes me a little while to get there, but I eventually get there. <laughs> <laughs> we go our own way. Thank, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your lovely energy and, and all of your knowledge. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye.